I oh, kind yeah. of wish we had ended the booked. Oh, my God. Booked? booked. Wow. <laughs> I <The> booked. wish. <laughs> booked and blessed. <laughs> Everyone, welcome to BYOB, the Bring Your Own Book Podcast. I'm Tilly. I'm Nikki. And I'm Kelly. And this week, we're excited because we're doing things a little bit differently, and we're actually going to be talking about a whole contemporary romance book series, the Kiss Quotient series by Helen Huang. Uh, now, just a quick heads up that this series is pretty sexually explicit and also deals with intense subjects like discrimination due to neurodivergence, death of a loved one, emotional abuse, xenophobia, suicidal ideation, and sexual harassment. The first book, The Kiss Quotient, was first published in 2018, followed by The Bride Test in 2019, and finally The Heart Principle, which actually just came out on August 31st, 2021, which is just a few weeks before the recording of this episode. Now, before we get into our thoughts, here's Kelly with this episode's themed drink. The drink we've chosen to pair with this episode is a classic tequila margarita. The main love interests of each novel, Michael, Kai, and Quan, all drink them in their backyard together in a sweet scene in The Heart Principle. And it just seemed like the perfect fun drink to sip and talk about this beautiful, lovely series. So if you want to join us with your tequila margarita, it's made with tequila, orange liqueur, and lime juice with salt on the rim. Ready for a sip? Yes. yes. Cheers. Here cheers. we go. I'm sure we've all had margaritas before, but <laughs> it's a novel experience. It's still fun to <laughs> cheers, okay? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Here we go. So That's salty. What I needed. So limey. <laughs> Love it. Mm-hmm. All right, so we're all going to be giving our star ratings out of five. Like we say in every episode, this is just sort of to give everyone an idea of how we liked each book, um, purely based on the stars, kind of how they do in Goodreads. So we'll explain and kind of give our background a little bit as well. And for this episode, we'll be giving actually an average star rating of what we uh, rated each separate book, just so that we give you one number and we don't each give you three numbers, because that would be too many numbers. So, <laughs> Kelly... <laughs> Wow, I couldn't have said it better myself. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Settle down. I'm just teasing. <laughs> okay, so for me, I believe, I'm just trying to, I think the average for all three would be a four out of five because the first and last book were rated higher than the second one for me personally. But overall, I loved this series. I don't want it to end. I just want to keep being in their lives. I loved it so much. Helen, I'll read whatever you want to write about them. Because <laughs> the first book, I really didn't know what to expect. But the synopsis sounded really, really good. And wow, was I hooked. So I fell in love with so many of these characters. And I think there's some really tender moments. There's a lot of very steamy, sensual moments. And by sensual, I mean literally like your senses are being worked or like you're using your senses while you're reading it. Because oh the way, well, <laughs> the way she writes is so descriptive of you're the right, senses, yeah. right? And I just really, really enjoyed it. Like I said, the second one wasn't my favorite, but overall, it was a four out of five would highly, highly recommend. Great. 
I should say as well that we will be giving little summaries of each book, um, but we thought it would make more sense to uh, give a complete summary of each book, kind of with spoilers and everything. So we'll be doing that in a little bit, just in case you're wondering, what's this book about? We'll tell you, don't worry. All right, um, Nikki, how did you feel about the whole series? So I, uh, the same as Kelly, gave the series an average rating four out of five. Um, while I think the kiss quotient was like the steamiest and I did enjoy it the most in that regard, it was the one I related to the least. Mm -hmm. Um, and the second one, the bride test was the one I related to the most. And I, I just love this book, these books, they have everything in it. They have family stuff, love, different kinds of obstacles that people are overcoming. And it was also really great to, um, read a series that revolved so much around um, autism spectrum disorder, which isn't mm-hmm. something you get a lot in books like this. Absolutely, especially in romance novels where yeah. it's often like kind of the same characters over and over again, yeah. like yeah. kind of like stereotypes almost. So this was such a welcome refresher. Mm-hmm. Great. Um, well, for me, I'm pretty much with all of you. I mean, we all know that we all love this series. Uh, I think I just did a quick little math on my uh, my calculator over here, and I think I'm actually at like a 4.5 for the whole series. Oh, excuse I, me. <laughs> yeah, I know. I really love this. all the books in it. I think um, the third one actually that most recently came out was the one that like hit me the hardest, and I actually found kind of like resonated the most with me. I don't know if it's like where I'm at in my time of life <laughs> or something, but um, we'll talk about that more going forward. But I think all of the books are lovely. Um, the first one I've read a couple of times now. I would agree it's probably the steamiest. And uh, yeah, I think they're just all so wonderful and full of heart. And I, I just I just love them. I just love them. Okay, Helen, I want to read everything you ever write ever. Thank you. Right? We love I you, know. Helen. Please don't stop. <laughs> Uh, Okay, great. So for book recommendations, does anyone have anything they'd like to recommend? I do. Yeah. Nikki can go first. Okay. Um, (laughs) So you guys probably know what I'm going to recommend because I don't read a lot of romance. Um, But because of that, I'm going to recommend Well Met by Jen DeLuca. (gasps) So this book was the first romance book I ever read that was like exclusively the the whole thing was written for the romance. There was no other intention for the book. Um, right. <laughs> and Tilly lent it to me. And yeah. I loved these characters. They were so amazing. It has a lot of the same kind of, I guess, like tropes that you find in a lot of romances. This like kind of arbitrary miscommunication that yeah. like brings people apart before they come back together at the end. But it takes place at a Renaissance fair and... We're all theater people, and I love that so much. Um, so yeah, Well Met by Jen DeLuca. It's one of the only other romance books that I've read other than the series that I can say I actually wholeheartedly enjoyed the whole thing. So, yeah. <laughs> That's high praise from Nikki. Yeah. yeah. That was a really good book. Thank you, Tilly, it was. for telling us. It was I so know. Oh, I will just I will just share my spoils with the world. I will give all the romance novels to everyone all the time. Kelly, what's your recommendation? Sure. So, my recommendation is another romance series, and this series is by Rosie Dannon. Right now there's only two books out. I'm not sure if that's 
all there's going to be or if there is going to be a third one to make it a trilogy i don't know but this would be the roommate series so the Mm -hmm. first book is the roommate the second is the intimacy experiment and i think this would be a really nice um i don't want to say pairing to the kiss quotient but like a good recommendation if you like the kiss quotient series because this this series also follows um characters who are like in every book kind of thing i feel like this is a modern trend with romance like to have a series with characters who are in every book kind of thing i think so yeah yeah but this one follows um whoever your new protagonist is for each book but also the characters who reoccur are ex-adult entertainment stars so porn stars if you will and it is steamy at times it is tender at times heartwarming especially the second book the intimacy experiment that one was very tender and heartwarming for me so i would really recommend i think it has everything you would really want in a romance if, if you don't like steam maybe not but <laughs> i would highly recommend yeah yeah that's a those are a great couple of books as well Wow, I'm so glad that none of us overlapped in our recommendations. I was really worried about that. I had a few <laughs> options. I was like, what is yeah. Tilly going to recommend? <laughs> yeah, well, I'm sure it'll be no surprise to you what I'm going to recommend. Um, it's another one of my favorite contemporary romance novels, series, and another one of my favorite kind of romance authors. Um, so it's the Brown Sisters trilogy by Talia Hibbert, mm-hmm. starting with Get a Life, Chloe Brown. Um, so Talia Hibbert also prioritizes diverse representation in her characters, And I think everything she writes is just so squishy and romantic and sexy and perfect. And I love her very, very deeply. (laughs) Um, I I think I first read The Kiss Quotient and the first Brown Sisters book kind of within the same month. Mm -hmm. And they were, for me, some of my first kind of forays into the, the world of romance novels. I think before then I'd been kind of a lifelong reader who enjoyed romance in my books, but had never read like a straight up romance novel. And so these were kind of my first two uh, experiences with this genre. And I really lucked out because they're both incredible series. Um, So I think they're forever linked for me. And I think if you like Helen Huang's writing, you will also like Talia Hibbert. Mm -hmm. And so that's my that's my plug. Nice. (laughs) Yay. Uh, Okay, so we're going to be jumping right into spoilers. So if you haven't read the books and you don't want to know how it all turns out, you should probably stop listening now. And if you like what you're hearing, feel free to leave us a rating or review on your podcast app of choice. We'd really appreciate it. So here's our rapid fire summaries of each book, starting with Kelly with a short summary of the first book, The Kiss Quotient. Okay, buckle up because this is going to be an amazing (laughs) ride, okay? (laughs) An amazing first, ride. Yes. I have, yes. Several amazing rides, I guess. Oof. Oh, my. <laughs> so the first book of the series, The Kiss Quotient, follows young econometrician Stella Lane. Stella has autism spectrum disorder, and though she has low support needs, she still struggles with some social aspects of her life, including dating, especially when it comes to sex and intimacy. She is determined to date her coworker, Philip James, who seems like the ideal match on paper, so she decides to hire escort Michael Fawn to help her practice all the intimate moments of dating. Michael didn't expect such a young and beautiful client when he turned up to their first meeting, and neither of them expected the growing feelings that arise between them. There are many steamy encounters, oh yes there are, as they work through Cell's list of sexual and romantic acts she'd like to perfect. 
Soon, Stella is meeting Michael's large Vietnamese family, Michael is learning all the ways Stella's mind and body works, and they both realize they want more than just a transactional relationship. After overcoming difficult obstacles like Stella's discomfort with physical touch and Michael's tense relationship with his con man father, ultimately the couple end up professing their feelings for one another. In the end, Michael leaves his escorting job for his dream of starting an apparel company. Stella learns to stand up for herself and her needs, and both of them commit to a serious relationship together. Yay! Oh, yay! It's so good. It's so good. (laughs) It's like Pretty Woman, but better. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. All right, jumping right into the next one. Nikki, you got this. The second book in the series, The Bride Test, centers on Michael's cousin Kai, who we met briefly in the first book. Kai also has autism spectrum disorder and thinks he is unable to feel emotions after the traumatic death of his childhood best friend Andy. Because of this, Kai avoids all romantic relationships, until his overbearing mother decides to travel to Ho Chi Minh City to find him the perfect bride. There she meets Esme, a young mother working as a hotel maid, and judges her to be Kai's perfect match. Esme is promptly launched into Kai's life, living in his home and making his space feel cozy, though it's awkward at first, as they each have limited understandings of the other's language, they quickly develop feelings for each other and must reckon with their own difficulties communicating as well as their respective emotional baggage in order to be truthful with each other. Esme is convinced that Kai only wants her physically and fears telling him about her young daughter, and Kai is sure that he is unworthy of Esme because he thinks he cannot experience love. Kai believes he is doing the right thing in forcing Esme and his brother Quan together, while Esme is heartbroken at his rejection. She agrees to marry Quan in a green card marriage, though Quan knows Kai's real feelings and does not intend to go through with it. Sure enough, after grappling with his childhood trauma and grief, Kai shows up to object at the wedding and confess his love for Esme. She tells him about her daughter Jade, and the story ends in a beautiful wedding. Oh. <laughs> I know. So lovely. It's definitely like the sweetest book, in my opinion. Like, ooh. yeah. <laughs> I forgot to mention, too, that each of us, uh, you've probably picked up on this, dear listener, but each of us had a favorite of yes. the series. And it just worked out so perfectly that uh, that we each liked a different one best. So yeah. <laughs> love that. I'm sure we'll talk about it a bit more. But here we go with the synopsis of the third book, The Heart Principle. In the third and final book in the series, we meet Anna Sun, a violinist in the midst of extreme creative burnout after a viral video of one of her violin solos. Though she loves music, she feels stuck in a loop, overly critical of every mistake she makes while playing, and incapable of finishing a piece. When her long-term boyfriend Julian tells her he wants to open up their relationship before they eventually marry, Anna decides to have a vengeful one-night stand and meets Quan on a dating app. Quan, who is Michael's cousin and Kai's brother, has been a major player in the previous two books and was known as this kind of like swaggering playboy. But after going through treatment for testicular cancer, he finds his priorities have shifted. Though Anna and Quan initially meet up for a one-night stand, they keep feeling themselves drawn back together and eventually decide they want something more. Anna goes on a journey of self-discovery when her therapist suggests a later-in-life autism spectrum disorder diagnosis, but her domineering sister Priscilla scoffs and refuses to understand. When Anna's father suffers a debilitating stroke and needs intensive long-term care, Priscilla takes charge and dictates a demanding caretaking schedule for their small family. 
Everything comes to a head when Julian wrangles her acceptance to a marriage proposal, which Quan witnesses, and Anna shatters her violin and collapses under the weight of everyone's expectations. Anna is eventually able to stand up to her family and Julian and confess her feelings to Quan, and the ending is bittersweet. Anna's father passes away, but with Quan by her side, Anna slowly finds her way back to herself. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's talk about our feelings, gals. I can't wait to get into this because I have so many. We don't have to wait. We're doing it right now. Yeah. (laughs) Get into it. Okay. So, why don't we start at the beginning? A very good place to start, okay? Yeah. When you sing, you begin with A, B, C. Anyways. (laughs) So, okay. Personally, my favorite was the kiss quotient. And I think Mm -hmm. it's because I just really loved the connection between Stella and Michael. And Mm -hmm. it was also the introduction to this world. So I think I'm a sucker for introductions. Like when it, that first impression, when you have a really good first impression, it just sticks with you. So Mm -hmm. this just, this series is so good. And I've already reread the kiss quotient. I know I'm going to reread the rest of the books. Like, I just found Michael to be such a catch, such a friggin' dreamboat. And don't even get me started on Quan, okay? Because we're gonna get to Quan. <laughs> but for me, the second one didn't do it as much for me as the other two. Uh, like I said at the beginning. But like at the, the very first book, I was like, wow, this is really interesting because it is kind of like Pretty Woman, but gender swapped in a way. And it's so sweet, and he is just so understanding of her, and so sensitive, and sweet to consider it, and hot, yeah. and steamy, yeah. and just like all a the man. Above. Yeah, just like, wow. Like, I don't know this guy, but I'm like, wow. Wow, wow, wow. Because he's fictional. I, <laughs> I, think, I think you do know him, though, Kelly. That was like a lot. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, I just think it's so sweet because in the first book, that's when we meet Kai. And we learn pretty early on that Kai is... Um, we learn pretty early on that Kai also has autism spectrum disorder. And so when Quan kind of hints that, hey, do you think Stella and Kai are similar? Michael's like, oh, yeah, I never thought of that. And he's not bothered by it. And he treats her the same way that he's treated her this whole time. And she's so scared to tell him that she has autism spectrum disorder. And he does not care. And it's just so sweet. And he's so patient and sensitive. And I could just go on and on, honestly. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, one of the things I really love about these books is that it, it doesn't really none of them really have like a conflict between the two characters, the two central characters. Mm-hmm. A lot of the romance novels that I've read have been like, you know, something awful happens and then they have to find their way back together. And each of these three books I find um, it's it's like the conflict is outside of the central couple. So you're yeah. always kind of sure of the two of them. And what I really love about Helen Huang's writing is that their male characters, like the love interests always seem to treat the women as like puzzles to un like to understand do you know what i mean like it's never like how do i dominate you or how do i uh like get you do what i want it's all (laughs) right it's all like how do i figure you out and make you happy Mm -hmm. and that's like like kryptonite honestly 
It's so addictive. <laughs> oh my god. Wasn't there a part in the first book? I know there was definitely a part in the last book, The Heart Principle, where Michael and Quan were like, what do you want? What do you like? Like, tell me, I'll make you feel good. And they're like, what? Like the two women are like, what do you mean? Right? And I was like, oh, damn. Okay. Okay. We're going there. <laughs> like, here we go. Like, it's just so refreshing. And you can tell that it's clearly written by a woman, you know, like, it's just so chef's kiss. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, I do think romance as a genre is often kind of dismissed as, as you know, well, it's like women's women's fiction, because it's like, typically written by women, typically intended for women to read. Mm-hmm. And that's such a, a shitty view <laughs> to right? just dismiss it, because there's so many lessons that you can learn from really emotional books and the, the relationships that are cur- presented and how they work things out. And it's so comforting, I find, especially in these trying times, mm-hmm. to have the comfort of a happy ending. And to know that everything's going to work out, all the loose ends are going to be tied up. Usually no one is, you know, like tragically murdered or anything. Uh, And I don't know. I just, there's so much comfort in that. Mm -hmm. I will say the men throughout the book were just way too perfect, though. That's my gripe. (laughs) I think that that was kind of my, my gripe, as, Mm -hmm. as you say. (laughs) <laughs> with all of the characters, the main characters mm. through these books, um, I kind of started to feel like after a while, it made me feel like almost like a little self-conscious that it was like all of these people are too perfect. Even the mm. people who have ASD, it was like only one thing can be wrong with you. You have ASD, so you're perfect in every other way. Like you're you have the right looks, you, you know, all of those kinds of things. And I was like, that's not realistic at all. And I was, I don't know, it kind of bothered me a little bit that there was so much focus on these people's like physical appearances Mm -hmm. and how perfect, like stereotypically perfect they were. So I was like, I wish that that wasn't like necessarily the case because it was like, oh, I looked at her and she was like so beautiful. And that was like the first thing that everybody kind of seemed to notice about everybody else. Mm. But there wasn't ever like a immediate connection on like personality or anything like that. And I was like, I wish that one of the books would have at least had that kind of more real, I don't know, interpretation Mm -hmm. of finding love. Yeah, I mean, that's fair. I found Stella and Anna very similar in personality and um, just some of their thinking patterns, I think, were very similar, which, I mean, that can happen with people. (laughs) Like, it's not like everyone is completely different from each other. But I did kind of feel like, hmm. But it could also be that Helen wrote these books from a very personal place so, like, mm. she definitely put a piece of herself in every book, especially the last book, as we find out in the author's note at the end. But I did think that there were certain things or, like, thoughts that the characters were having that were very similar to each other. Mm. But I, I was didn't, like, oh, sorry, I, I enjoyed it, so I wasn't too bothered. <laughs> 
I didn't necessarily feel like that between Anna and Stella, but I did feel like that between Michael and Quan. I was like, oh, this is, like, almost a play-by-play of, like, what happened in the kiss quotient, which, again, didn't super bother me. But because these were, like, (coughs) the two, um, like, uh... Like, bookend books? Yeah, I don't know. Like, they were were not the neurodivergent characters Mm -hmm. that I was like, okay, like... It was just interesting to me. And I did read these all, like, so quickly. Like, I read all three books in the span of, like, five days or something. So they all seem to kind of, like, blend. Blend. (laughs) Together. Except the... I think maybe that's why I liked the second one so much. Because it did stand apart from the other two in such a completely different way. And I don't know if that's necessarily because it was the male in the book that was neurodivergent or the the other two books seem to have kind of similar plot lines. Mm-hmm. And Kai's story was very different than theirs. Theirs mm-hmm. being Stella and Anna. But, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I do want to ask, because um, the second book, The Bride Test, was your favorite, right, Nikki? Yeah. So would you care to share with the class... <laughs> Por qué? Why was that one your favorite? I'm very curious to know, just because I enjoyed it but didn't connect a lot with it. So I want to know what drew you to it, if you will. They actually related a lot to Kai, Mm. like Anna in The Heart Principle, which I related to that book a lot too, but it Mm -hmm. was like too much. And it (laughs) kind of, all of the stuff with her dad, I've had a lot of older people in my life be sick and like have to take care of them and stuff so in that way i did relate a lot but i was like no i don't want that (laughs) that was not a fun read for me but Mm -hmm. with um kai specifically certain things that he like goes through touch like light touch being painful his kind of uh physical reaction to emotional distress those symptoms of his asd are things that i struggled with a lot when i was younger and still struggle with as an adult, though not as bad. So it was really nice to see um, a character that was almost exactly like me in a book because I've never had that before. So yeah, that was like the main reason why the second one was my favorite. I really loved reading the author's note in the second book because it, it felt so different from the Kiss Quotient because uh, well, mainly I think because of the like immigration plot line with Esme, right, coming mm-hmm. from Vietnam and being kind of like transplanted into the U.S. and not really knowing how to like fit in or how to make people happy or how to even like speak the language all the way. Mm-hmm. And I, I really loved the book for teaching me this experience of someone immigrating from Vietnam to the states. And as Helen Huang talks about in the author's note, it was very personal. Like, it, like that story wasn't the story she meant to write. Like she initially set out to write um, the main love interest as being like Esme's sister. But uh, she talked about like Esme kind of outshining this character every time she would sit down to write. And that's when she realized like, of course, the, the love interest, why can't she be a recent immigrant? Why can't she be like someone who doesn't necessarily speak English all that well? Mm-hmm. And and then she talked about how, you know, the person that she respected the most in her life, her own mom, um, had those same experiences and how it was like a deeply personal book. And we, we've talked before about how um, Helen Huang puts like 
a little bit of herself in every book. And that one I felt was very much like for her mother, which mm-hmm. was very beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. There were a lot of like really just like super touching moments in that book from mm-hmm. Esme kind of coming out and deciding she wants to go back to school and better herself and get her GED and everything. And at the end, we see her graduate from Stanford, which mm-hmm. is amazing. Mm-hmm. And all the way to Kai overcoming a lot of, like, emotional distress that he didn't even know he was feeling. Mm -hmm. And learning that sometimes love doesn't necessarily portray itself the way that you you think that it's going to. Mm -hmm. Right, it doesn't look the same for everyone. Yeah. Yeah. I think the reason why I didn't connect so well with the second one was that I didn't buy into the romance as much as in the other two books. And I, I don't know. I feel like it was because I didn't get enough, um, I don't, it's not explanation, but like I didn't get enough of Kai's inner monologue of Esme and vice versa, because obviously it was there, you know, but I just didn't buy into it as much as the other two but i still really enjoyed the story you know like i enjoyed the immigration story i enjoyed his grief story and also just trying to figure out what love is right and what's love Mm -hmm. mean to him so i did really enjoy the story but i just personally i just couldn't buy the romance as much and i don't know i don't know why but i still would probably because Love looks different for everyone, Kelly. That's yeah. probably why. I know. Yeah. <laughs> maybe it was because there was so much story to get through, but not enough pages, maybe, you know? Because they, I think the first story, although it was my favorite, it was definitely the most fluffy light, you know? Because there is some conflict, but the second one, we get into grief, we get into immigration, and then the third one, it's like, ho, ho whoa you know like a lot of stuff going on right (sighs) yeah yeah and i mean it's possible too that something just didn't work for you in a book and that's totally fine (laughs) yeah i still enjoyed it i'll probably reread it because i love this series it's just so good i know i wish i'd had time to reread the other two i just read the heart principle um kind of right before this recording and hadn't had time to reread the other two but they were still fairly fresh in my mind because i read them both last year but i kind of wish i'd had a little little bit more of a direct refresher (laughs) (laughs) yeah why don't we uh get into that third book because i think the third book the heart principle was your favorite right tilly it was i think I think for a lot of reasons, I think I, I kind of mentioned, I think it's maybe because of where I'm at in my life. And I do find different books can kind of hit you in different places, depending on what you're personally going through. And uh, I found Anna's struggles with burnout and like boundary setting to be just really deeply relatable for me. And I also really love that the book kind of surprised me and moved me by flipping the script for a traditional romance novel Um, Although it was difficult to read at times because um, so much of the second half of the book is um, Anna caring for her dying father who doesn't want to live anymore. And it was really hard to read, but it it just, it it struck a lot of emotional chords for me. And I felt coming out of the story that I had like gained so much from it. Mm -hmm. And... 
I, I felt the same way after the other two books, but this one was just like, I don't know, it was just on a different level for me. Mm-hmm. And I <laughs> I was like writing my little Goodreads review and I was like, I'm going to have feelings about this book forever, capital F feelings. <laughs> and that's truly how I felt. And I think just seeing Anna going through this personal journey, like I liked Quan, but he was not my favorite of the three men. Mm-hmm. And he was almost kind of like secondary to the story. That's like their I romance wasn't, yeah. yeah, it wasn't the main focus of the story. Mm-hmm. Um, which actually kind of reminded me of, do you guys know the movie About Time? Yes. It was like a romance movie. It's so, so good. The, it's so good. But the trailer, I remember the trailer for the movie making it look like it was like a, a cute little rom-com. And then it ended up being much more about the um, main character's relationship with his father. And his father also died. And that's kind of how I felt with this book where it kind of like, I can see, I, I think I've seen online, some people were a little like, um unexpectedly shocked at where the story went and I can totally understand that Mm -hmm. because it it was not I don't think publicized that that would be where it would go and especially following the other two books I wasn't really expecting it to get that intense yeah um but I don't know it just it it meant a lot to me Mm -hmm. Mm mm-hmm yeah, I definitely agree. I found that the the cuter parts of the romance in the third book were very nice, but the like the steamier parts because they always seem to follow after like a really hard chapter about Anna and her dad and stuff. I was like, I don't really want to read about you guys having sex right now because I don't care because we just like <laughs> read this like really really heartbreaking chapter. And now you're like, just kidding. Like, I'm going to finger you now. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Those chapters I, did not bother me. <laughs> I couldn't get over the other stuff. Like I said, those are things that I've had kind of like parallel experiences to in terms mm-hmm. of like seeing family members or like taking care of family members and stuff. So that part of the book was very hard for me. And But I also related to Anna a lot in terms of, like, the burnout and when to say no to things. Mm-hmm. A lot of things in this book that culminated together where if it would have just been, like, one thing, I would have been able to enjoy the book more. But because there were, like, so many things that I felt were, like, personally, like, attacking me, I was like, mm-hmm. ah, like, it's too much <laughs> that I, like, had to be like, no, like, go away. <laughs> Yeah, that's super fair. I mean, I I definitely cried a lot reading that book. And but I also found it so empowering, especially when Anna was able to break three break free of the expectations and like kind of um, end some toxic relationships like that's something that isn't explored a lot in fiction or in movies or in real life, really. Mm -hmm. People just kind of expect you to take bad behavior from people. And I mean, there's all sorts of bad behavior and some of it's worse than others. So we, Mm -hmm. we see a lot of like stories about people overcoming abuse and that's pretty clear cut. But what we don't always see is stories of people overcoming just someone who is like constantly stepping on you. And that's kind of like, it is still abuse, but it's, it's, it's such a, um, an ingrained part of, I think, um, what people think women should deal with a lot of the time that it's not always, uh, portrayed in this way and I found it really um really meaningful and uh just to see that someone could break out of that and still be successful and still have love and still be good at being a person mm-hmm. yeah especially with family members like it's really hard yeah. to cut off toxic relatives 
And I mean, I have experience with that and you get a lot of grief. You know what I mean? So, and you're made to feel like you're in the wrong or you're overreacting, you're gaslit, you're misunderstood and people take their feelings and put them on you and it's a whole kitten caboodle, right? It's a whole thing. But I really, really appreciated the grief I don't want to say adventure. Oh, my God. The grief uh, journey. (laughs) Yeah, not adventure. Oh, my God. The journey through this book. However, I did have an issue with near the end. I just felt a huge shift in writing style. Did anyone else feel that? I think it was like Like after pages after her father died. And it was like after and it was just talking about her separate Yes. Like, they kind of never really acknowledged the relationship with Quan again, other than she played him happy birthday, which was like, that's very nice. Yeah. But she played him happy birthday, and then at the end she went, Quan really helped me get through a lot, but I wanted to see him help her. Yeah. Like, that's I why kind- I was there. <laughs> yeah, like, I kind of wish that we didn't get uh was it like two years later or something at the very very end when she goes to play her concert i oh, kind yeah. of wish we had ended the booked oh my god booked, booked. wow <laughs> <The> i booked. <laughs> booked and blessed <laughs> i wish we had ended the book still on her journey to find herself and i understand that the hope was a huge draw for that ending of like yes she is on the way up she's figuring it out she has a support system now but just the shift in style i was like what because it what it went from like here's the narrative to uh you know after and then chapter whatever anna i got very depressed i had suicidal ideation this happened this happened kwan was there for me like it just suddenly was like here's what i've been up to for the past few months which i was like what what i i just like that shift really threw me because then i finished the book feeling kind of like huh yeah okay good for her but i was just so thrown and then i feel like a jerk for saying that because her author note was like maybe people won't like this book but i had to write it and i'm like i did like the book i just that ending just confused me with how you wrote it you know like i don't know i think I understand what you're saying. I I didn't really pick up on how it was so different because I was so into it. Like, I think, and this was the, the third book was the only one as well written in the first person. Yes. The other two books were written in the third person. Which she explained And so you could, yeah. Right. So you can tell right away that it's obviously more um, autobiographical even than some of the other ones. And it felt so much to me like it was just mirroring her Anna's frame of mind mm-hmm. like kind of her mind like snapped I think is how she describes it due to um not just her creative burnout but her like I think it was described as autistic burnout yeah. and um that that was all that was able to be written and I I don't know I a lot of it felt like diary entries to me and I can relate to that like having really sporadic diary entries Sometimes I'm able to write a whole bunch of stuff about what happened in my life, and sometimes I'm only able to write two sentences because I'm feeling depressed and anxious and not able to deal with anything, but I still got to, like, put something down. And I don't know, I I think I related a lot to that part, uh, but I can understand why it was, like, um, didn't quite match up for you. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I just, like, I feel like I really liked the book, and I might have liked the book more if it would not have been part of this series. Like, mm-hmm. I yeah. feel like it was a very good book, but it did not fit the vibe of like yeah, of what the first two. what <laughs> I was what I felt like I was walking into. So I don't really feel like this was a romance book. I feel like this was a book about a girl's journey with ASD and there was some romance in it. Which That's is totally true. Which is yeah. fine and I love that, but I did feel like at the end like kind of bummed out and I was really happy. <laughs> so I read them th- this time I read The Bride Test, The Heart Principle and then I wrote the Road red. Wow. Oh, you wrote it all right. I rode my way through the kiss quotient last. <laughs> Am I right, ladies? <laughs> um, and I'm really actually happy that it happened that way because oh, I yeah, that would be a good way to do it. I am like, I ended on a a happy note because I was so bummed out after the heart principle. I was so excited to record this episode, and I'm just going to be sad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, it's. <sighs> What a good book. I'm just like, (laughs) I freaking love these books, especially the first for me. I'm just like, wow. The first one, like, though I I related to it the least, it was because I wasn't relating to it on a super emotionally personal level. It allowed me to just enjoy the story and what was happening. The only thing in the first one that I'm like, really, that really like grinds my gears is that she says, like, three times, I just want to be with you. I just, like, want you to like me. And then he's like, she'll never like me. And I'm like, oh, my fucking God. She <laughs> that literally, is something she, that annoys me so she much, She literally too, said the, it so so many yep. times, and you know that she has ASD. And she's not fucking lying. She's not being sarcastic. You know it. So, like, yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. That was the thing for me with, with that book. And also in... The heart principle, the like miscommunication stuff was Mm -hmm. like, you're doing this just to put a twist in because, oh my God, like, no, that would, I can't even. (laughs) Yeah. With Julian and all that. And Quan was like, have you broken up with him yet? I'm like, yeah. Have you broken up with that friggin' piece of shit yet? Like, hello, you've got Quan over there. Quan's here watching friggin' octopi documentaries with you. When they talk, (laughs) when they talk at the end, I don't think she ever says straight out, yes, I ended it with Julian. And that really irritated me because I was like, if I was in that situation, I'd be like, I need a yes or a no. I, yeah. Like, I don't think that I can, like, compute what's happening unless you say, yes, I ended it with Julian. Yeah. Yeah. And then he friggin' she never sees, says that. He sees the marriage announcement right there. Right? And he's like, Kate, bye. And she's like, what? You know, and goes after him. And he's like, well, could you fix it? Let me know when you fix it. I, oh my god big mistake big mistake big huge you know like <laughs> yeah that's something that often bothers me in romance novels and any kind of novel is when there's just like a plot point that goes on for hundreds of pages that could just be solved with one single conversation where people yeah. are honest with each other but i mean then we wouldn't have a whole book and i mean there are 
all sorts of miscommunications that happen when you're so emotionally wrapped up in like, I have this feeling and I, I, I'm so, I want to protect my heart and I don't want to tell anyone about it. But mm-hmm. then what if she doesn't like me? You know, like it's so, yeah, uh, it's so finicky. So I, I understand it, but I'm also like, come on, just say yes or no. Yeah. Do you like each other or not? Get it over with. And I think that's part of the bride test that I like too, is that I felt like the stakes in that conflict were so much higher than the other two books. Because we have Esme, who has a secret daughter, mm-hmm. and yeah. that's a really big thing. He said he doesn't want to have children. Mm-hmm. So that could affect literally everything. And then he literally does not know what love is to him. Mm-hmm. So he is going through a genuine like struggle. It's not just like, I love her, but I'm just like really embarrassed to tell her, you know, which is like <laughs> the other two books, basically. Yeah. Like, my dad's a con man, so I'm so bad. Like, grow up, yeah. Michael. Just like, <laughs> fuck off. Like, <laughs> everyone loves me, but I don't want to be with them. Like, okay, we get it. You're great. Yeah, <laughs> humble brag. Jeez. Yeah. I'm just so yeah, handsome. Then- yeah. <laughs> And, and so like, handsome and sexually important and yes right. and so and, feminist i'm sorry <laughs> to me i think he is wow wow <laughs> wow wow I so love- kelly who was your favorite man was it michael i don't well, know hard well, to tell but wait i i love kwan too i gotta say i was I, kwan was like whatever for me i, yeah. I didn't love him oh yeah well, I kwan was like fine he, yeah, I didn't love Quinn. I loved his presence through all three books, so that's why I was so excited for the last book. And then he kind of took a back seat, and I was like, oh, oh no. But I still enjoyed it. Well, and he it. also was so different in the third book yes. because he had gone through the testicular cancer, which, let yeah. me say, having not reread the other two books, I was like, did we know about that no. before this book? No, no we did okay. not. No, no, no. Okay, so it really came out of nowhere and really yes. changed his whole personality, which I think worked so that he was able, so that he was kind of on the same level as Anna, self consciousness wise. Yeah. Because yeah. um, otherwise, I think he was like too confident, too like sure of himself, and so it gave him something to like be working on. Yeah. But, um, yeah, Quan wasn't my fave. I would say probably Kai is my fave mm-hmm. out of all three of them. Yeah. Same. I, <laughs> I do. I loved the part in the Heart Principle where. Uh, oh my god, I was going to say Stella. No. Where Anna... Stella! <laughs> Stella! Yeah, that never happened. I always just want to say, like, <laughs> Stella Ella Ola, like, every time. Clap, clap, clap. Yeah. <laughs> oh god. yeah. No, but I did love the part in The Heart Principle where Anna sees Quan naked for the first time, because he's very self-conscious, doesn't want to oh, yeah. show himself, because he's like, I might look a little... Di- or not might, I do look a little different uh, in my nether regions, <laughs> if you will. And so she sees him, and she's like, okay, I'm not bothered by it. And I just thought that was so... Honestly, I think realistic, because a lot of the times yeah. we have these thoughts and feelings of, oh, no, they're not going to accept me. And the other person's like, great, I really don't care. I... take you as you are you know especially like i don't know many women i mean just speaking for myself i honestly don't care about men's testicles you know what i mean i could see (laughs) just Just, no yeah i get you just saying what we're all thinking yes (laughs) testicles are not a big thing for me yeah i understand (laughs) i understand how that would be very difficult for someone who went through that 
But for right. me, I would not And it's very care. symbolic as well yes. for men too, right? It's like, I think he talks about, I feel like my manhood is like half gone. Yeah. And I think that's a parallel to women or, sorry, for people in general who have mastectomies because, mm-hmm. you know, that is a, a societal thing of like, oh, uh, people who have breasts are women, right? Or whatever. And it's like, well, no, it's not about that. And just as it's like, Quan is no less of a man with only one testicle. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. he's pretty freaking cool in my eyes, honestly. So, <laughs> yeah, I, don't, I just it's really like, liked that part. I I don't know what it is about Quan because I feel like he was so secondary to the story mm-hmm. that I'm just kind of like yeah Quan like he was there and he was he a was nice guy and so freaking supportive like too supportive you know what I mean <laughs> yeah I think he almost just didn't feel like a real person in this yeah book. yeah exactly yeah. he felt like a real person in the other two books when he was kind of like a a minor character mm-hmm. yes when he and was- when he was like. His dialogue was really made sense to me. When he was teaching Kai about sex with Michael on the phone. Oh, yeah. Yeah, That was so sweet, you know? Yeah. I agree with that. One thing that let me down in, I think, the heart principle specifically, because Michael was really only in the bride test during that, like, kind of phone conversation thing, right? And his wedding, briefly. (laughs) Yeah. Is that, like... Michael's I feel like Michael's character changed a lot or the way he was like written was Mm. changed a lot and he felt kind of like the gay best friend in the (laughs) the third book and I was just like I was like this is not the Michael I remember (laughs) yeah (laughs) I know what you mean one thing that I was thinking about a lot while I was reading the books because I liked that you got to see Michael, Kai, and Quan in kind of each of the books, but mm. I wished I could have seen Stella and Esme more in yeah. the other two books. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Stella, I think, showed up a bit in The Heart Principle, and I, I don't know, I would have liked to see a little more, um, like, sisterhood in a way, because none of the women had really strong female friendships, no. which no. is okay, and often it often doesn't always work in romance novels because it tends to like take away from the central romance, but it would have been, I I don't know. I would have been nice to see because I think that's an important part of, or it could have been an important part of each of their lives. Yeah. Cause I think it would have, it would not have been so much like a female friendship so much as it would have been like found family. Yeah. Cause right. they are all married to their people from the other books and stuff like that but i do i agree i think it would have been nice to have some scenes where we see the women connect a little bit mm-hmm. or even see them around yeah because mm-hmm. it was like they just dropped off the face of the earth yeah i was like oh yeah stella yeah she's getting married mm-hmm. oh yeah this is still on the phone i gotta ask her a quick question you know i was like what esme just disappeared fully does not exist. yeah not even mentioned no like okay thanks. esme's dead no. Yeah, like, what the no. heck? But also, okay, all of the covers featured the women, except for the first one. The first one had the two of them on the cover. I understand, you know, romance books are, major- the majority of purchasers are women, but this, it kind of, it shows, what am I trying to say? The covers make it seem like the the through line to the series are the women, and so they're going to be a mm. part of it all. Yeah, that's true. But they're not a part of it all. It's really about the 
uh, well, I guess it's Michael Fawn and Quan and Kai Diep. Diep, mm-hmm. maybe? I'm not sure how to pronounce that. But it's really about the men, which I would still buy the books if it had men on the covers. Like, I'm not... I think I would be more likely to buy the books if they had men on the cover. Um, honestly. <laughs> But you know what I mean? Like, because I was looking for Stella. I was looking for Esme. And they yeah. were not there. I'm like, okay, I bye. Know. <laughs> I know. In the Brown yeah, Sisters That's a good point books, about the covers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, in the Brown Sisters books, they're both on each cover, like the man and the woman. And yes, the sisters drop out um, in the other books, but they are still there. And they come in quite mm-hmm. a bit because they're sisters. So... Yeah. Yeah, I'm just like, odd choice, but I guess marketing, but still. Yeah. Yeah, and maybe it's a maybe it's an author thing as well. Like, maybe she never had a lot of close, like, female friendships or found family. Maybe, I mean, we never know. It's so, it's so personal, too. And uh, yet sometimes those relationships don't always work in romance novels, like I said, because then it's like, well, now I want the women to fall in love instead of the, the woman and this random man that I don't care about. <laughs> Or a lot of the time, the like the the heroine's best friend is pretty much just there to be like, oh my god, he's so great, go for it. What happened? You know, right? Like, yeah. yeah, bitch, I don't care. I know he's great. Okay, I am going for it. You know, like <laughs> get out of here. I do want to bring up. So I think all of the copies of the books that I have have book club questions in the back, which I love. Yes. Oh. And one of them that I remember was in the first one because. I read that one twice, so I the second time actually like took the time to look at the questions and think about it or whatever. And one of the questions I loved was Michael is a tailor, and that's his secret profession that Stella finds out and he keeps it a secret from her and all this stuff. And the question was, why is him being a tailor so attractive to Anna? And why do you think it's it would be attractive to someone in real life? And I was like, oh my god god this is such a good question because it's like it can be so surface level but really like you know he doesn't mind that she has all these specifications to make herself comfortable he's like great tell me what you want i'll make it for you great cool here's this beautiful custom garment that you'll be comfortable in and stylish and i mean he knows a woman's body (laughs) it's like surface level he's good with his fingers (laughs) deeper (laughs) Damn. <laughs> but I just thought that was so sweet, you know, because it's true. Like, he's very considerate and he takes the time and he, you know, like that's, yeah, I just thought that was so great. And another question they had for the first one was if the tables had been turned and and Stella was the escort, how would that have changed your perspective on the book? And I was like, oh, interesting, you know? Well, it definitely, I think, would have changed the relationship between the characters because I think there's a lot more uh, stigma mm-hmm. attached to women escorts and women sex workers in general yes. about um, like fidelity and about um, like quote unquote faking it. Yeah. And there's a lot more um, like expectations I find uh, that men, uh, grand blanket statement mm-hmm. that men have on women in those professions. Yeah. yeah. One thing I will say that I didn't like super duper care for is that at least one half of all of these couples was like extremely wealthy 
Oh, that's true. And I'm yeah. like, that that was another thing for me, like, going along with, like, the body image stuff and how everybody just, like, looked so, like, model perfect. And then one of them had, like, so much money. And I'm like, Kate, where are the real people here? Because yeah. this right. is, like... <laughs> Anna was curvy, whatever that means. You know, they did describe her as curvy. But I'm like, what does curvy mean? Because... That's such a general term. Yeah, I know that. I know that he says one time, or she. I mean, it's through Quan's eyes. But anyway, whatever. Mm-hmm. They say, "Oh, she like rubbed, ran her hand down her tummy." I don't know why that word to me just feels like like if someone has a really flat stomach, I'm like, it's a stomach. But when I think about my stomach, I'm like, it's a tummy. Oh, <laughs> it's so, so cute. Like, <laughs> but I was like, okay, tummy. I'm like, there's like a little, a little poof there. Yeah. But then I'm like, and it's probably like a skinny girl poof. And I'm like, whatever. <laughs> well, I mean, the great thing about know. books is that we can imagine however we want from those words. So I think that's... also though, the like, the drawings, the mm-hmm. the front the covers, illustrations on the cover, really lead to Skinny Girl Central in all these books. I know you yeah. only see the top half of the women in the second two books, but I'm just like, mm-hmm. yeah, I totally disregard the illustrated covers. I'm like, <laughs> my imagination's going to do what I want. Yeah, I also think Esme was described as being plain, quote unquote, plain. Mm. Um, maybe well, I'm misremembering her hair that. in a bun, so clearly on the cover. <laughs> Escandalo. <laughs> One thing that I noticed a lot was that I think all of the women in the books were uncomfortable with sex yes. in some way or another, which I was like, why can't any of them just be comfortable in their sexuality and like comfortable, n- not necessarily like comfortable physically, but but just kind of more confident that way? Because yeah. I understand that that's like relatable for a lot of people, but it, it felt a little strange that they all kind of had the same insecurities yeah i that's one of the notes that i had actually just specifically because well i i didn't feel like in the second book esme had a very huge problem with like sex it was more just like she's like i need to have sex with him so he'll like me yeah so that's like that's kind of a different yeah it's a different problem but with stella and anna it was like oh like i I haven't had a sexual experience that I like, which is a common problem. But it, I think because of the the way the books are written and the topic of the books kind of made it seem like that was because they have ASD mm-hmm. a little bit. And I didn't I didn't love that because it's like there's a lot of people who have ASD who have very satisfying sex lives. That's not mm-hmm. the the, the you know, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I do find overall it's a bit of a trope for romance novels that it's like the men are the ones who like know what they're doing and like can teach the women. And I think a lot of people probably who read the books find that like very sexy. So I I, I get it, but I'm like I want a little bit more variety in how people's sexuality yeah. are, are mm-hmm. explored. I <laughs> yeah, I wonder if there's anything that's like cultural with that in these books of like. Maybe all three women are pretty reserved and not comfortable with sex or their bodies. And I think, I mean, 
I think societally, a lot of women aren't comfortable with sex in their bodies, and we need to change that, myself included. Like, I will speak up for those women. (laughs) Because I just, yeah, and I mean, that's fine. Everyone's different. But I really related to Anna in that regard, as I'm sure you two know, because I just thought, like, there's a lot of women like that, but I do agree that that they were very similar, you know? Mm -hmm. So that's why I'm wondering, like, is this something that Helen did on purpose? Is this a cultural belief or um, uh, what do you call, like, not a, um, I'm losing words, like, you know, uh, something that they're ingrained, like, women need to behave this way in their culture, Mm -hmm. like, you need to do this, you need to do that. I don't know because I'm not part of their culture. So I don't know. Uh, but I did think it was very strange that they were very similar in that regard, you know? Mm. So that's that's why I had a question right there of like, is this something to do with like maybe cultural or um, yeah, just like, so, like I don't know. I don't I no idea. I don't know if it is. Like, I yeah. mean, with Esme's character, she was the most like i guess like had the most like sexual confidence of the three women and there's like parts in this book where i mean kai's doing his research to try to figure out like what do women like i don't know what women like i've never Mm -hmm. had sex my first time was like a huge bomb and like esme was like yeah that was awful like yeah he just like he just finished and like got up and left, and I was like, "Okay, that's right." Because well. Kai was a virgin, right? Yeah. yeah. So, right. I mean, she obviously is not a virgin because she has a child. Um, yeah. But like, she is the one who teaches him in this situation. She shows him what she likes, and like, I really liked that about the the second book because it was not like. I'm so helpless and I'm a woman and I need some like man to like satisfy these urges. It was like, Mm -hmm. I'm going to show you how to, how to do it. Young Mm -hmm. grasshopper. (laughs) (laughs) Young Padawan. Also her mom at the beginning was like, you need to have sex with him. You used to do him. So I was like, Oh, like that's a totally different view of sex to just be like, use it, get what you need. You know, like, (laughs) That's a whole yeah. other thing. We're like, that's not a positive view of sex, in my opinion. But I don't think no. Esme but I think it's very realistic. Way. Yes. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't think Esme operates that way. You know what I mean? So I mean, it doesn't work out that way in the end. She <laughs> wants to have sex with Kai because she does, and she is because like, who oh. wouldn't? <laughs> <laughs> I love him. It hurts. It hurts. <laughs> These books were so it hurts much fun. so good. Yeah, yes. basically. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. The books were so much fun. Now, now I want to reread them all again. I know. Um, I hate. That I don't know if all I could reread people. <laughs> I know. Every time I read a romance book like this, like really quickly, I get like almost disappointed by other people in real life. <laughs> yeah. I I, I you know totally what I mean? understand what you're yeah. saying though. When I when I read Well Met. I was mm-hmm. in a relationship mm-hmm. and I remember finishing that book and I was like, oh, oh. like <laughs> men in real life don't do this shit. And I was like, right. just like so fed up. But I'm like, it's not in a lot of ways. These things are very realistic. 
the the expectations that women have for men are not that high. No. Be nice to us. Be understanding. Listen when we talk. <laughs> wow, like it's not <laughs> it's not revolutionary, but in real life apparently it is. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. So when you read books like this and you're like, oh, they're like so perfect and stuff because they're like people who tell you what they want. Yes. And like they have clear communication skills. And I'm like, why? Why is that such a hot commodity in the real world? Well, and in the Kiss Quotient and the Heart Principle, Michael and Quan are both very... Like, they're pretty open about talking about their feelings. Obviously, Kai is not because he's going through that journey. He's working on things. And that's fine, you know? Not Mm -hmm. everyone's going to be very open like that. But it is very refreshing to read men who are like, hey, how are you feeling? This is how I'm feeling. Let me, like, let's discuss it, whatever. Like, it's just so refreshing. And also, I am going to bring it up, okay? How friggin' nice is it to read things where it's like, oh, look, a man is pleasuring a woman with nothing in return. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna go there because it's like, wow, Amen. this is great. Yeah. Just saying, ladies and men, I got you, okay? Because this is like... <laughs> and and I have to always remind myself, too, that like the reason that these characters are so perfect is because they're <laughs> written by people who want the character to be perfect for the people who are buying the book. Yeah. <laughs> so I have to like kind of remind, remind myself, like, these are not real people with real struggles. So there are all sorts of boundaries <laughs> and like barriers that can, you know, like I have yeah. to like talk myself down to like expectations for real people in my life. <laughs> yeah. Like if I were Quan in the beginning of the Heart Principle and I waited half an hour for my date to show up and then I run into them at the bathroom, I wouldn't be like, oh, are you okay? Do you want to reschedule? No, I'd be like, what's wrong with you? Get out of here. Yeah. yeah. yeah I'd be like, what the fuck? I've been waiting here. Like, I thought you stood me up. Okay, bye. You know? Like... <laughs> That's what I meant by yeah. they were too perfect at times. I was like, no, no, yeah. no. <laughs> I love you, no, but I'm no. with you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think also the the part with, um, like, Michael at the end of the kiss quotient where he kept, like, sending her things and calling her to see if she wanted to have dinner. I, I don't know what it is. Things like this in books and movies... I think it's, like, a combination of, like, they gross me out and they freak me out. Mm. And they make me very uncomfortable because I'm, like, the only reason this is supposed to be attractive is because we know that she actually likes you. Yeah. But even if you think you know a girl likes you or anyone, if you call them and they say, do not call me again. You don't fucking call them again, okay? Like, <laughs> yeah. just like a little PSA out there for everybody that no means no. And if they're mm-hmm. playing games with you and no means yes, just take it as a no because yeah. it's probably not going to work out. No. So like, <laughs> I think that just like things like that in books, I'm just like, Ugh. yeah, Ew. get it away from me. Michael was great. Obviously, he had petty things happening in his mind that bothered me, but he was a beautiful man, specimen, uh, uh, and <laughs> go- glorious book. 
But those those things just really kind of like, I don't know. I just get a little like, Bleh. and then yeah. I want to just forget about them. <laughs> yeah. Because like I Philip totally was natural. Philip was doing the exact same thing. Oh my god! And yeah, was Philip disgusting. was major yikes. Yeah, and the only so reason disgusting. it was it was different is because she just didn't like Philip, right? And that's she wrote it a difference. little different. Yeah. Yep. No, that's often the make or break. Is if someone finds someone attractive, then if they do something exactly the same as someone they don't find attractive, they're like, "Oh my god, I love it." Yeah. yeah. Also, I gotta say before we end this episode because we haven't touched on it yet, Anna's family, like her mother and sister. Oh, yeah. oh so hard. Those Nightmare. two women and Julian. That's why I thought of this through what you were just saying about Philip. Julian was a piece of shit. Okay, yep. I hated him, and I was so angry for the whole book about her family being like Julian's great. He wants to marry you. His mom loves yeah, you. Yeah, and pressuring her. Yeah, yeah, and he was just a piece of shit. And even when they found out that he wanted to see other people, they were like, "Okay, well." Like, just let him do that, and then you two will get married, and, like, oh, you're gonna see people? Like, it was this whole thing, right? Yeah. I I literally, I cannot believe that he tells her that after she literally swallows his fucking jizz. Because I, I would, like, if I was in that situation, I would just, like, have my hands down my throat so fast to throw it back up on him, because, like... I would be like, no, you fucking did not. I'd probably just make me do that hands and hurt him. (laughs) Like, Like, how dare you? That is disgusting. You know what I mean? It kind of reminded me of like John Hamm in Bridesmaids. (gasps) Oh, yeah. (laughs) I want you to leave. Even though that movie, yeah, he's like, oh, this is really awkward because I want you to leave, but I don't know how to. Ask. I don't want to sound like a dick. Yeah. Yeah. And he's like, oh, is that okay? Yeah, we should clarify too that like the, the problem with Julian is not that he wants an open relationship. No, it's how I think it's he that, asks. Yeah. And and also it's, the fact that he doesn't want a, a true open relationship with like everyone being consensual and communicative and uh still committed to each other. He just wants to fuck around. He wants yeah. a hall and pass. have her take care of him after. Yeah. Yeah. And then go back to her. Yeah. Yeah. And like it I'd I was kind of confused, like, how the open relationship thing even happened, like, why they started talking about it like that, because when they're having the conversation, he says, I think we should take a break. That's not an open relationship. That's, you're on a break. Mm-hmm. Right. We were on a break. Oh, my you know? God. I was and like, yeah, I'm say it. <laughs> Pivot. <laughs> and so that's not an open relationship. That's your relationship is not, it's like on hiatus. Yeah. It's and you can go do whatever you want separately. There's no, both of you together. It's separate. Yeah. So I was just like, why, like, why was that the takeaway from that conversation? Honestly, I don't know. Maybe I missed something, but that's how it felt to me. I have a question. No, it's a good point. Sorry. Mm -hmm. I have a question because I don't remember in the book, in the heart principle, does Julian find out about Anna's diagnosis or no? I don't remember. I don't, I don't think remember she either. Okay. I don't think she trusts him enough yeah. to tell him that. Which is fair mm-hmm. because he's a piece of shit. But <laughs> yeah. Well, and I also think at that point she's like, I don't care yeah, you about don't deserve- you and you don't need to know this personal part of me. Yeah, yeah. you don't mm-hmm. deserve it. But like also her sister. Oh, oh that was yeah. so hard to read. God. 
like I yeah I near the end when her mom was like oh she's going through a lot and this is just how she's processed I'm like okay no I know you're the mom not good enough you have to love all your children whatever but like (laughs) no you know and the fact that her nickname was Pris I'm like wow telling telling yeah Yeah, just the things that they she would say to Anna. I mean, even even before Anna told her about her ASD diagnosis, just the way she would talk to her was so was so awful and so like. I have a really close relationship with my sister, and so I I really struggle to understand when people talk like that to their siblings because I've always been like really close friends with my sister, and I can't imagine being in that position where. That's just kind of like, oh, that's just who she is. Like, that's just our dynamic. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of wish we had gotten to see a bit of Anna's dad before he had a stroke. Instead of just hearing about their relationship. Like, it would have been nice to have one Mm -hmm. moment with them together. Um, But I also understand why it didn't happen. And I was still very affected by everything. You know? I just... Mm -hmm. I think I wanted that moment because the rest of her family wasn't very supportive of her and her needs. So I would have liked to have gotten just a little glimpse of her dad and her and their dynamic because he seemed so sweet and just so heartbreaking. So sad. Yeah, it's very sad. But well written, because I think a lot of people can relate to that on many different levels. And so Mm -hmm. when you had said earlier, Nikki, that like maybe this shouldn't have been in this series because it was a different vibe, I mean, like, maybe, yeah. But also, I thought of the movie Alien and how the second one, Aliens, the sequel. (laughs) The first one is like a horror movie, okay? The second one is more like an action movie, but it's in the Mm -hmm. same series. So I don't know. But I I understand what you're saying because it was totally different. (laughs) So I mean, it's so different. Like, I went on a different topic. But I'm like, I'm not bothered that it's in the same series, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, no, it's like, you know, it's fine. It, it Like, it is what it is, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I just think the romance was secondary. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But one thing I will say, this is like a thing that I really liked about Quan, but it wasn't in the heart principle. During the kiss quotient, Michael's like, her dad doesn't think that I'm good enough for her. And Quan goes, yeah, of course he doesn't, because <laughs> she's his only daughter, like... No yeah. one is going to be good enough for her until you prove yourself. Mm-hmm. And it was really refreshing to see a character in a book disagree with their friend. Because I find yeah. a lot, even in like real life, people are like, yeah, that's so fucking stupid. I can't believe that. But like, he's right. <laughs> like, my my parents aren't going to meet the person that like I'm dating and automatically be like... <laughs> Yes, they're perfect for you. No, they're gonna suss it out. That's what <laughs> that's what people yeah. do. Yeah, yeah. You, with friends and stuff, I know that if I brought someone around, you guys wouldn't automatically be like, "Yes, he's great." You'd be like, "No, nope. I'm gonna sit back a little bit and just like wait and see," because that's mm-hmm. what good friends do. Right. Yeah, right. Because there's a difference between being like on his side, which he obviously is on Michael's yeah. side. But he's also willing to be like, no, actually, you're wrong about that in yeah. a kind way and yeah. in an instructional way rather than like, you fucking suck. Of course he doesn't like you. Right. Yeah. He's like saying like, no, it makes sense. Like, look at it from that perspective. And that's a really yeah. um, a healthy, useful relationship, like a healthy, useful friendship. Yeah. yeah. Well, like, I mean, you're 
your relationships with people are no good if they're not comfortable enough to say what they feel with you, you know, like that's not a real friendship. Mm-hmm. Totally. But, but on the flip yeah, I really side, like that. Oh, sorry. On the flip side, in the heart principle, uh, Anna's mom asks Quan, how do you spell your name? Because she's trying to figure out where he's from, like where his family's from. Yeah. And I, although I was like, oh, at that part, I did like it because it reminded me of Crazy Rich Asians and learning about the racism between different Asian cultures and kind of being like, well, where are you mm-hmm. from? Where are you from? You know, like just yep. very interesting because I I am not part of that culture or I'm not Asian, right? So like I don't I wouldn't know that otherwise, really, right? I need to learn about it. I just thought that was interesting and I it was a nice little little tidbit of another conflict and real world issue that mm-hmm. Quan and Anna may have faced or would have faced potentially, right? So mm-hmm. just saying. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the BYOB podcast. If you enjoyed this and want to hear more from us, you can head over to our social media accounts to keep up to date on all things BYOB. We've got Facebook, we've got Instagram, we've got TikTok, and we got Twitter. We got basically everything, so you should probably check any of those out. Uh, stay tuned after this to hear the first line of our next read, which is the YA thriller Allegedly by Tiffany D. Jackson. See you next time, and until then, keep on drinking in great stories. Cheers! Next time on BYOB, the Bring Your Own Book podcast. Some children are just born bad, plain and simple. Mm-hmm.